As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you have a story you'd like to share with us about something paranormal, an encounter with Bigfoot or another cryptid, sighting of a ghost or another undead, perhaps a run-in with aliens, or the abominable snowman, all of the above, <laughs> any and all of the above. If you'd like to share your story with us, email us strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. I will put out my occasional caveat that my email inbox is swamped constantly. I do my best to keep up with it. I will be late, probably, in responding to you. Please don't take offense. That's the thing I worry about. I worry about people going to get upset and think that I'm ignoring them or I don't care about what they're saying. I really do, and I love getting all the email. I love reading all these stories. I just don't have enough time. That said, we'll get to everybody in due course, and maybe someday we'll get that intern. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever it is can answer email well tonight we're going to be talking with brian who has a number of 
Fae and Bigfoot encounters. Maybe the same thing, because they're these kind of Class B encounters that we talk a lot of, where nothing is really seen, but these strange things happen out in the woods. He's also got a lucid dreaming experience with greys, some UFO stuff, an encounter with the old man on the hill. We talk about stick structures and kind of compare notes on that and gifting and more. We'll get to that in just a moment. Before we get going, I want to mention to everybody that my art book, Apparitions, is still available. Right now, you still have to get it directly from us. Amazon warehouses are not taking new publishers for some reason. All of my other books are on Amazon, but Apparitions, my art book, you got to get it from us. You can find a place to order at strangefamiliars.com, or you can go to our Etsy shop, shop name Lost Grave. Tea Public Store is on sale again, I believe, through Friday, if you hear this on Thursday. I think you got one more day. Links for all that stuff is in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get to my talk with Brian. Okay, tonight we're talking with Brian, who has some experiences to share with us. Sounds like some possible Bigfoot stuff, at least the kind of stuff that Class B encounters are made of. Is that about right? That is exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I um, I have a whole slew of them, uh, those and others that would I think would probably match up with the show pretty well. I'm excited to hear them. So where okay. do you start? Right. Well, um, I figure I'd talk a little bit about like who I am, where I'm coming from on this. Sure. I've been interested in the paranormal since I was a kid. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, all that stuff. I, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but it was In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy that did it. That was the gateway drug for so many of us. Right. And it's one of those things where it's, it's been so fun to listen on your show and, and hear everybody and other shows where people are like, yeah, In Search Of. And it's, I don't know what it is about why or how that happened, but it definitely happened. Just um, out of curiosity about how old were you when you were watching this? Um, oh, I was probably seven or eight. Yeah, I think it just captured our imagination. You know, at a, yeah. at a young age, it just really drew us in. And cause well, I, would have been I was the state, around the same age, probably. Yeah, and I was I was interested in Bigfoot. I thought it was kind of cool. I was interested in you know the Loch Ness monster, the big ones, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, In Search of came on, and then it was over. I mean, it just sealed the deal for me. It captured everything that I had ever thought uh, about regarding the paranormal in those wee years, those wee tiny years. (laughs) Yeah, Um, well, it's all presented as true, too, you know, which which was a really neat thing, I think, for a little kid. Yeah, and like memory serves, like that was my first like introduction to the Patty film. I think it was Um, mine as well. I think so, yeah. Okay, and that I remember that boggling my, my little mind so much. Unfortunately, something else happened, which my father bless his heart, took me to go see Legend of Bobby, Bob, Boggy Creek <laughs> yeah. in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was probably around, I don't know. I was, I was around the same age and I, I'm not sure it was in 72. It might've been in like 74, 75 when it came back around in like rental theaters and stuff. But that film terrified me. <laughs> same boat. I, I mean. Oh, really? Was, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I loved it, but it was okay. horrifying. Okay, so my grandparents had a, uh, a a trailer out near a local reservoir, and my grandfather had bought it as a place to go on the weekends for fishing trips and for family get-togethers. And um, 
we we had it out there and it was wild, wild and woolly out there when he bought it and there was a bathroom in that trailer. If you remember the bathroom scene in Legend of the Boggy Creek when the arm comes through the window, mm-hmm. the there was a bathroom in that trailer that matched that bathroom exactly, and I refused to use it <laughs> <laughs> unless it was daytime. It was daytime. It was okay, right? But at nighttime, my parents would get a little fed up with me. But One of these Bigfoot specials, I don't think it was in Boggy Creek. I watched Boggy Creek for the first time in a long time, some, sometime within the past five years. Yeah, And I thought this scene came from Boggy Creek, but it must have come from another like Bigfoot show or, you know, one of these in search of type shows or something from the 70s. But an arm reaches in a window, a Bigfoot arm, and grabs a lamp. Oh, okay. Okay. And I have a perfect memory of this, you know, when I was a kid. I think I saw that clip somewhere recently, too, and I was like, oh, I always thought it was in Boggy Creek and it was from something else. Anyway. Oh, no. Well, maybe maybe I'm getting it mixed up, too. But I remember my brother telling me about this before I ever saw it, my, one of my older brothers, and I pictured it happening in the living room of my parents' house, and I could never shake that, and I would never sit by that lamp by that window. So the <laughs> right? same kind of thing as, oh, yeah. as, as you're talking about with the bathroom there. I just wouldn't sit up there at all. Even yeah. as like a teenager, I was like, nah, I'll sit elsewhere in the room. Right, right. And I remember like my dad saying, hey, you need to go take the trash out. We'd be out after maybe going on a fishing trip, and we need to take the fish and dump them off in the wood line, whatever. And he'd be like, you need to take those out. And it's dark. And I would, I remember running in the dark with a flashlight, like I, the, the least amount of time I could possibly spend outside in the dark out there in the woods, yeah. which that's just the way it was for me as a kid. Now that changed considerably as I grew up, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just, it set the, it set the pace for a good long while. Yeah. And then I just moved forward from that and was just really interested, did a lot of reading on UFOs and paranormal psychic phenomena, all of that started like a little paranormal group of friends in college. And we ran around and did things <laughs> not very well, but we did them. <laughs> and then I joined another as an adult and did a lot of solo investigations and kind of, I've been doing it for a couple of decades now. And it's been this fascinating bit of research, just this fascinating part of the world that I'm just intrigued by. And I saw, I remember when I saw where the footprints end, there was a blurb or something that I saw earlier in the year. I was like, I need to, I think I need to see that book. That is, that's hitting on all my cylinders. And I remember I got the book and um, got onto your show and, and started listening. And I was like, I need to reach out. I need to talk because there's a familiarity here with some of my experiences and with the things you were talking to other people about. So that's where I'm coming from. In early childhood, there was, I believe, a ghost in my house. I look back now with adult eyes and I wonder, but something was going on. I called it George the Ghost, and it would occasionally knock things off the shelf of my bedroom. And I had, uh, I was a sci-fi, I still am a sci-fi geek. And I had, uh, if you remember the old Battlestar Galactica TV show, I had Cylon Raider uh, model ships and oh, a yeah. TIE fighter hanging from my ceiling. And I remember that I could ask the ghost to spin those for me uh, sometimes. And I, I was never really scared. It was weird. I look back and I wonder if there was some sort of crazy adolescent poltergeist TK stuff going on, you mm-hmm. know, like, sure. um, but then later talking to my mother about stories in that house, how she hated the basement and how she felt the basement was haunted, but she never told me. And so 
again, like that happens a lot with stories involving ghosts and odd phenomena. Usually people, even in the same household, will have these stories, but they keep them to themselves. And then you talk about them and you're like, oh yeah, that happened. Oh yeah, that happened. And you have this familiarity all of a sudden sort of come up. So I, I don't know. I don't know what it was all about, but I remember having this, I don't know, ghost spirit thing in my room. It would, it would hang out with me. It's hard to really put into words the feeling I would have. As I grew older, I started doing some lucid dreaming work and started got get really interested in, in psychic phenomena. Um, looked into UFOs when I was younger. Uh, I, I have one story I want to tell. And just from listening to some of your stories and other people's stories, I think it might be of interest. I had been doing a lot of lucid dreaming, working on it. This was probably in my early college days and having some decent successes with it, keeping a dream journal and all that. And uh, in, I remember in this dream, I was on, uh, I was like strapped to a bed or on a bed. And in the dream, there were basically sort of the stereotypical grays hovering over me. Uh, one or two of them were holding implements and they were about to do something. And I got really scared in the dream, really nervous, really anxious, and didn't, I wanted to go. I wanted, I wanted the dream to be over. And I remember I got like this thought in my head that was like, well, no, you just need to go through this dream. This is, everything's going to be okay. And something clicked and I said, no, no, I can, I can control this dream and you, you can't control me. And I, um, in the dream, I like manifested a pistol in my hand oh, wow. and, and shot the gray. And he fell back with this kind of shocked look on his face. And I woke up. Wow. And I never had, I'd, I'd had another dream that is really foggy to me when I was a younger kid about I don't know, something like maybe like an abduction scenario, but it was like a dream. And I, I really don't, it was just really foggy to me. And it's, it's been in my life, my whole life. And I'm like, I don't really, I can never get back to it. I can never remember it. I just know it's kind of there. But this dream with the gun and the lucid dreaming is still to this day, crystal clear. And after that moment, I didn't have any more experiences like that. Hmm. You can also look at it that I was dreaming and, and, and working out some sort of conflict in my brain and, you know, the symbolism in there. Um, I'm very aware of all that, but I I just found it fascinating how crystalline it was, the experience Mm -hmm. and how quickly I woke up after, after I had shown that I could control the dream and they couldn't control me. So, Thought I'd throw that out there. Now, when you say you woke up, you, you woke up as in like you woke from the dream or you? you yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I woke straight up from the dream and was wide awake. Um, even could, could even feel the um, pistol grip, like the, the grip of the pistol in my hand as I woke up. Wow. Yeah. And I woke up and I thought like, what's in my hand? Like, is it, do I still, how, what? And then it, of course it faded away. So it, it, it was, was previous to this that you had been practicing some lucid dreaming? Yeah, correct. Uh, I'd probably been doing that for about maybe six months. Okay. So you, you had in a sense, you know, some, 
I don't want to say mastery because I don't know if anybody ever mastered oh, no, no, it, no. but but some yeah, no. feeling of of the the dream sense, I guess, where, where yeah. you you could recognize a dream, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it it would, it would come and go. Um, I would go three or four days without being able, I'd keep a dream journal every night, um, do things like set an alarm clock at two in the morning to wake yourself up. So you kind of wake up in the middle of the dream so you can kind of get used to that Mm -hmm. little tips and tricks that, that are in uh, the lucid dreaming books that I'd been reading. And I'd been doing that and every now and then I'd have one and I would be able to control the environment and you know, who this is fun. And then you wake up, um, this was the first one where like you, I didn't have control. And then I suddenly had control. Like right. there was a toggle, like a almost, mm, almost like a unseen toggle got flipped when I was like, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. And that's how it manifested. And that's how I decided to handle the situation. I don't know what that says. Yeah. Well, yeah I don't know. Uh, I but think- some people would say, oh, you should have gone through with whatever they were doing, but uh, I- I'm kind of with you. I think I would have, had I the ability, I would have manifested a pistol. No, no, right? Like, no, no this, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had I've had a, a couple interesting, I wouldn't, I, UFO sightings. Like, I think Class B, you said Class B at the beginning of the show, and I think that really is spot on. Um, there was a time... As I grew older, I spent more time in the woods. There was, when I was a young adult, there was very much this sense of, I've got to get over this fear. I've got to get over this fear that I have of getting, going into the woods. I discovered uh, Tom Brown and some of his wilderness survival stuff, um, started getting really interested in bushcraft and started spending more and more time in the woods and, and getting familiar with it and learning it, um, spending like spending overnights, which was something I was terrified of all the way up until probably my late teens, early twenties. I just hated being out in the woods at night and that's changed now. But during that time I was um, actually near the lake where my grandparents had their trailer. um, And I was kind of leaning over. I was looking at some rocks at the edge of the water and it was morning. And I I was, I was looking out over the water. Like you're looking into the water, you're looking for rocks along the shore and there, like, in the reflection of the water, there was this silver orb floating above the lake, like, kind of flattened. And I remember I saw the reflection, and I thought, oh, that's a trick of the light. That's, that's interesting. And I focused on it a little bit more, and it was still there. And I, I, I probably only I, a few seconds, and then I looked up, and of course, the sky was blue and clear. And I looked back down in the water and it was gone. Again, could be a hallucination. I I wasn't drinking and I wasn't doing anything illicit on that hike. But I've had I've had another moment uh actually the beginning of this year. I had I was out on my porch early in the morning and I happened to I was just kind of I was I was meditating. I like to meditate in the morning and I had my eyes open and I thought I saw a white plane moving across the sky. And it sort of, I was first aware of it at about I, like 10 30, 11 o'clock. If I'm looking straight ahead and that's 12 mm-hmm. and it was kind of in my peripheral vision. And I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a little private plane. I, I wonder why I didn't see it fly over. And um, okay. And then I realized it was moving kind of fast and faster than a private plane should move. And I remember then I sort of shifted and locked my eyes on it and I followed it 
and it went behind trees and some leaves. And I thought, oh, it should come out this other side because of how fast it was moving. And I looked and I waited and then it was gone. Um, and I don't know what to think of that. I, it still, it still bugs me. Right. Um, these are very weird intervals. Like this only happens maybe once every handful of years. I, I'll see something on the corner of my eye, whether that be something in the sky, like a UFO or when I'm on a ghost hunt, I'll feel or sense something in my peripheral vision and I'll look over and of course there's nothing there. I don't know. Thought I'd mention it as we gear up. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, the, if it was a normal aircraft, it had to t- what take it a hard left turn or something behind the trees, right? And- well, yeah, and I, I um, it was flying straight and fast, and it, it would have, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wish I wish I could say more. I, I it's one of those things. It's a mystery, right? In a long line of mysteries. So yeah, but back on track with Bigfoot stuff and what I like to call Fay stuff, because I think one of the things that, that wanted me to really drew me to contact you was in Where the Footprints End, you and Joshua talked about sort of the combination or the intersection of Bigfoot Sasquatch stories with the Fay or mm-hmm. with Fairy. Yeah. And I, uh, I'll tell a quick story when I my first encounter with what I call the Fae, and I'm definitely not talking Disney Fae here. Right. This was my wake up call that, okay, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Scotland. Uh, I had gone with um, my partner at the time. She and I had gone on a three week camping, live in our car uh, trip of Scotland. And uh, she knew the territory. She had been there before. I was my first time there. And I cannot remember where or which lock we were at, but she had talked about the Fae uh, and was interested in um, Wiccan ideas and and that stuff. And so the talk of the Fae kind of came up quite a bit when we were over in Scotland more than normal. And I didn't really put any weight in it at the time. So we were at this lock. And I'm a third generation photographer. I've had a camera in my hand since I was probably five years old. Hmm. And I was, of course I had a camera with me on my trip to Scotland and it was a film camera. And I, I had been taught since an early, early age that you never, you can lose a lens cap really easily. And so you uh, take the lens cap off and you always either keep it in your hand or you put it somewhere where you know it is. And I'd gone through numerous lens caps until I, learned that lesson and I was on the lock on the edge uh, on the shore and was going to take a picture and I remember very clearly I took the lens cap off the camera and I put it to my right balancing on um, a round rock right next to me where I was sitting I took two shots and turned around and the lens cap was gone it had just was gone there was no wind it was not that windy of a day which if you know Scotland is a little strange, but it wasn't that windy, not enough to blow a lens cap anywhere. I remember I kind of spun several circles looking for it and it, it never showed up. It just disappeared. And this was probably a week and a half into our trip. Hmm. Uh, so much so that we, we, went, we were traveling through Fort William and we stopped at Fort William and I wanted to get another lens cap because with the hiking and the camping and all that, I didn't want my lens to get scratched. So I needed to get a lens cap. 
So we're at Fort William. I buy a lens cap that fits my camera, put it on. Everything's great. Another just important point, I was by myself on the shore of the lock. Uh, my partner at the time, she was up on another part of, uh, of, the, of the lock, maybe a couple hundred yards away. We had split and we're just kind of having our own experiences. So I was by myself when that happened. So we're at the end of our trip now. A lot of cool, crazy, wonderful things happen. Some, some interesting things. One little story of lost time, uh, which I'll get into if we have time to talk about it. But really cool things happened. We're at the end of the trip. We are at Castle Rig Stone Circle, which is in the, it's near Keswick. It's like in the Northwest section of England. And we're outside the Castle Rig Stone Circle. We wanted to stop there and get all our stuff together in the car because we we're going to make a lightning trip down to England, uh, down to London to catch our flight. And so drive all the way down there. So in order to do that, we stopped at the Castle Rig, have kind of a final cool moment at the Castle Rig Stone Circle unpack the car, pack it back, get ready to go. We've done that. And the car is completely cleared out at this point. All the stuff is outside the car. We're reorganizing our packs. We're reorganizing everything, getting our souvenirs together. And I go to get back in the car to get one more thing. And the lens cap that I had lost on the shore of the lock was sitting on in the dead center of the floor of the car on the passenger side. <laughs> right. And I had read a couple things about Faye and little tricksters and things like that. Oh, during my trip there. And so I said, thank you. Thanks for returning it. I left some candy <laughs> near the stone circle and said, thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm not sure what you used it for. But to that point in my life, I had never had something that blatant, uh, whether it was in a port or, or what happened, but I've never had something that blatant happen to me before. Right. We call them uh, tap you on the shoulder moments, you know, where, yes. where it's just like, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point forward, I started being really interested in the Fae, in, in stories of fairy, stories of the Fae in America, not so much England and Europe. Though, I mean, I wanted to learn more about what was around me in the here and now, mm -hmm. um, you know, Pukwudgies and just all the different bits of lore that I could find. And, and I really did. I don't know what it was that started me towards this idea that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Green Man, Wild Man, right? Like that this mm -hmm. all, there's this overlap of encounters with the paranormal and Bigfoot. And I don't know. And, and as I've grown into my experience being out in the woods, I see it a lot more as an animist perspective that the woods are alive things you're you're in you're, the woods are their own home they're in their own house and you're entering into a different space when you go into them and it's really important to open up to that and so i've been taking that into my treks into the woods here lately i have a quiz for you allison Okay. How many days to the perfect puppy? 89 and three quarters. Wrong. It's 90 days to the perfect puppy. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. 
90 Days for the Perfect Puppy can help you with a relationship-based approach to training. They help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and one-on-one options are available as well. You know what kinds of things they can help you with, Allison? Potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture or shoes, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. I also think for a particularly precocious, perfect puppy, you could do it in 89 days. 89 and three quarters days. (laughs) 90 days to the perfect puppy can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods to help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. And we'd like to thank 90 days to the perfect puppy and Sid Happens for their continuing support of Strange Familiars. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. One other story real quick that leads into this. We had gotten back from Scotland. We had decided to homestead on a, uh, unfortunately, this relationship didn't, did not last much longer after this, um, but we decided to homestead on a dead end gravel road that was up against a ridge out in the boonies. We got a fairly good price on a piece of land and we, we built a yurt. Uh, we were going to live in a yurt and then use that to build our home along the line. We had a whole big plan. Mm-hmm. So we were at the very base of this uh, medium sized ridge. Didn't think anything about it. It was pretty steep. And the, it, it, the whole area felt weird. 
with a Y, you know, like, like it just, there were times it was beautiful and it was wonderful and it was everything you could hope for in that setting. And then sometimes it just wasn't like, say the toggle got thrown and you would feel really weird. And all you wanted to do was go inside and pretty early on in our experiences out there, especially my, my experiences out there, I started, I w- you would go out to adjust the tarps and uh, uh, check the lines to make sure, especially if there was a, a rain, rain coming in or a storm. And, and I would wander around the yurt and at night and I would feel it was that, that hmm, deep sense of being watched, that sense that there was something up on the ridge that was watching and wasn't really happy about us being there. And I thought it was just me. I thought it was my nerves. I thought it was my old childhood fears coming home to roost, right? Right. And there were nights it got pretty intense where you just felt like something was walking around. Like you wouldn't hear anything. You just felt like there was something around the area. And I, I didn't start to, I mean, I took it seriously. And I, I would just tell myself to knock it off until my friends who would come visit would comment on it, especially if it was night. They'd be like, wow, it feels really weird. Like, what's up on the hill? And they would ask me questions like, why are you asking me what's up on the hill? Uh, woods? I don't know. And they're like, no, it just feels like, like, is there a house up there? It feels like somebody's up there. And it just got to be a thing. And I hadn't said anything to anyone. Occasionally, you would have this sense of not just being watched, but almost like something was sneaking up on you, if that makes sense, of being... I don't want to say like a predator prey thing, but just feeling that something was trying to sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were owls, of course, but there were odd owl sounds as well. Uh, sometimes there was, I don't know. The, every uh, there were a couple of experiences when I think back where they weren't rocks being thrown, but like limbs would fall down near where like a limb would come flying. Not big limbs, but like a branch of a tree would fall down out of nowhere near me, like as if it was thrown mm-hmm. from up there. And at the time I was like, oh, it that's probably just, I don't know, something knocked it loose from the tree up there. I don't know if there were any rocks thrown. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't remember anything because at that time I wasn't connecting it to Bigfoot. Right. Right. I wasn't, con- I was just connecting it to something really weird is up on the hill. Other friends had, like I said, had commented on it. I had a a very sensitive friend at the time. Uh, They came out or she came out to visit us and she called it a medicine valley and said that there was there. She said there was something weird up on the hill and I hadn't told her anything about it. And whether that was, I don't know, you know, to this day, I still don't know what all that was. There were never, we were never screamed at or anything like that. Though there, there was one moment, I'm not really sure what happened. It was late at night. We, uh, the relationship had started to, to break apart, and I had gone out. There was nobody living out there at the time, and I had gone back out to collect a few things and check on the property, and it was dark. A friend of mine was with me at the time in the car, and we, we drove out there. And I went out there, and I, I checked, got the things I wanted to get, and there was... Uh, I, I, you could call it a combination of like a bluff charge and a zap of being zapped. Like I was standing outside the, the yurt 
And I felt this rush of energy, of maybe wind or energy or something coming down off the ridge at me very, very fast. And I turned around and there was, of course, nothing there. But I, I felt like there was something just out the edge of the tree line that had rushed down the hill at me. And my friend who was in the car, they had the windows down and they said that they could feel it too. Like, and they, they, they were talking about how they saw like the trees move. Mm -hmm. I had my back to it at the time and I kind of felt it come up on me and I turned and I remember I saw some of the branches moving, but they saw the trees move as it came down the hill. And so that was nice to have someone there. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite enjoy that second opinion. <laughs> yes, like it, it was it was nice to have because that really, I mean, I've heard other stories of bluff charges and I've heard other stories of getting zapped and I've, I've been zapped. That's another story that's coming up, but it was like a combination of both of them. And then I just wanted to leave. Like, yeah, and I mean, just get out of there. If you think about, Every bluff chart, well, and I won't say every, almost every bluff charge story I've ever heard, including Chad's when, when he was bluff charged at Harry Springs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one's ever seen anything, you know? Yeah. They, they just right? get the sound and the feeling and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they know something's coming towards them. But it, you know, except for, I'm, I'm, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure there's some I'm, I'm not remembering. But for the, right. you know, the vast majority of them don't end with like a creature popping out of the, the brush. Right. They right. end with the people retreating before they ever see anything. Yeah. And, or it just returns back to normal and, and everybody leaves. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, then that's what happened with me was I was pretty unhinged by it because I fully expected to turn around and see like an elephant coming up because it's that, the, the, just this big energy, right. Mm -hmm. Just rushing at you. So that was that was sort of the last thing that happened out there. And it wasn't until years later, because I never thought here in Southern Indiana, I had not made, I'd been interested in it, but it wasn't until probably in the last mm, 10 or 12 years that I've started to put all this together that, oh, hey, there are, there are stories of Bigfoot in my area. Uh, I found a group of people here that are interested in it. And have met with some of them and have heard their stories, seen some prints in the, of, of things in the area, learned of a few hotspots. And it was at that point that we used to call it the old man on the hill. I'm sorry, I didn't say that, but it got to be a thing. Like, oh, the old man on the hill's pissed off. Wow, <laughs> like, we just kind of named it that because we didn't know what else to name it. And that's what it felt like. It felt like this grumpy old guy on the hill was mad at us. Right. And oh, another important note, the area had been logged. Uh, about a year and a half prior to us getting the small strip of property, the ridge had been logged and torn up kind of badly. Mm. Um, and we sort of attributed it to that point to maybe some fey upset energy, something going on there. And so we didn't, I didn't connect the dots until recently, really, where I was like, oh. And I started hearing other people's stories and then, and like, connecting i guess connecting the dots that's the best way to put it right yeah, yeah. so uh one other story is that um, and this one this one is completely unrelated to anything but i wanted to, to tell it because both my wife and i saw it and we think it's connected we 
we think it's connected to this Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Fae, whatever we want to call it thing that's happening. We were coming back from Indianapolis and we were driving on Highway uh, 67 and it was late at night. I think it was around 11 o'clock at night and normal drive home, uh, no bad weather, uh, pretty clear skies. And we're, we're driving back. I think we were listening to the radio and listening to some music and the car up ahead, the road was pretty, there was only one car up ahead of us and it tapped its brakes, which I've been on country roads enough to know that when you're driving in on the road in the middle of the night like that and a car up ahead of you taps its brakes, it's probably a deer or a raccoon or something's in the road. So I slowed down and the car up ahead tapped its brakes and kind of moved a little bit to the right, got on the shoulder a little bit and then kept going. And I didn't see anything. I was like, oh, I wonder what's up here. Maybe something was on the side of the road, you know, just standing there. And we get up to the spot. There, uh, there, was, there was something in the middle of the road. It was humanoid in shape. It was, as my wife said, it wasn't black. It was just like an absence of light. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it was about nine feet tall. And like I said, I think I said a humanoid in shape and it was kind of, it happened so fast. I mean, this is just like a blink of an eye situation where I, I thought I saw something. I thought what, it's one of those things where you're like, what am I seeing? And then your eyes focus on it. And unlike the other things that had disappeared, like the UFO, this thing was there. And I swerved the car and just kept driving because I just, I Something told me not like you don't stop. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't a person. <laughs> it wasn't like, right. it wasn't somebody just crossing the road. It was a black. We don't know. We still know. We talk about it all the time, but we don't know what it was. And to this day, it still kind of boggles us. But I wanted to mention it because it is also uh, later, as I learned where some hot spots were. It's also not too far away from a hotspot in the area where there's been Bigfoot sightings historically. Well, and again, I've heard these stories of, of people who, you know, taking Bigfoot as an example, who've looked for Bigfoot their entire life. These guys that have just like obsessively, you know, hunted Bigfoot and mm -hmm. going out in the woods. And, you know, I've heard more than one of these stories where they're like, they finally got to see one and they just drove by it. Yeah, right. And they realize yeah. later, like, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, I've been looking for this thing my entire life, and I just, it was there, and I just drove on by. It really, to be, like, it never registered as Bigfoot. As we were, like, we were more like, what was in the road? And it wasn't until, like, further along, I think it was, we were almost home, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and I didn't know that there was a hotspot nearby at the at the time when that happened. And so it, it was like, wait, wait, that was tall. It was big and like humanoid. What else? Like what could like slender man? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't that, it wasn't that skinny. And we just drove past. We just, we were, we uh, freak out is a good term. It was like a silent freak out. Like, I think there was some cussing from me because I had to swerve and I was like, what the mm -hmm. bleep was that? And did you see that? That was my next question to her because I needed verification that I wasn't seeing things. And no, she was right there. She was like, no, I saw it. What, what was it? And we just kept driving. Yeah. 
it just didn't feel like it was important to stop. <laughs> it might not be a good idea. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's yeah. there's something there on an intuitive level. Like we just need to move. Just keep going. Yeah, a lot of Class B stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like nothing that we can definitely point our finger out and say. No, that's this was this was a thing. But... I find that incredibly interesting, though. I yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Class B theories uh, after we hear some more stories. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so. Pretty much brings brings me up to current for the most part uh, on my Bigfoot face stuff. What I've been doing recently is I've been doing a lot more research in the woods, kind of getting serious. I, I um, about five years ago I started looking at stick structures. Um, I when I was hiking, I do a lot of hiking off trail, mm-hmm. and I started finding these stick structures and started looking on YouTube, and they were looking awfully similar. The first group I found, I was just on a hike with a family member and we kind of looked over and we're like, what the heck is that? And it was just, it was about, when I measured it, it was about seven feet tall, weird logs and sticks jammed together to form kind of a conical shape. It wasn't like a bushcraft shelter. It was more disorganized than that. And it looked like it might've been there a while and it could have been a tree fall. I mean, I no, this one, no, it wasn't a tree fall, but there were others I've gotten to the point now where I can look at tree falls and I can, I can tell the difference between the two, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I ended up, I went back and during this trip, when we found those, we found two or three deer carcasses uh, or bits of deers, uh, deer uh, back there, bones, a rib cage, uh, just, we found that pretty interesting because it's not, you might find one every now and then, but we found like pretty much three different strewn carcasses in that area. Uh, so I went back uh, about a week and a half later and decided to go up the ridge a little bit to see if there were any more. And I did find more areas there and more weird little structures and like several, several branches just leaning against a tree, like not very high off the ground. Like we're not talking about big, magnificent structures, just three or four different branches leaning against a tree, almost like a trail marker, mm-hmm. which I could get behind if, I mean, I don't know. There was, there just seemed to be a lot of them in this one particularly thick area. And so that was my, kind of my first introduction to it because that was about five years ago. Yeah. And I was at another, yeah. So if you've been looking at them, and I I just want to kind of compare notes a little bit. Yeah, please. Yes. The ones that are really compelling to me seem to be a combination of living trees bent into mm-hmm. the structures and then, you know, dead stuff kind of used to like bend or pin the living tree down. Have you noticed yeah. that? Yes, I have. I have. I've noticed that. And I've noticed that there are, there's usually one living, like in some of my cases, it's a living tree where other sticks or branches or just full limbs have been propped up against them mm-hmm. in almost um, trying to figure out the degree, the angle degree, not like maybe a 60 degree angles kind of where they're, they're almost uh, almost forming a triangle. Mm-hmm. And then with, with the boughs, like we have snow boughs here. I think you, you guys probably have those over in Pennsylvania too, where the snow, the snow load kind of, bows the tree over yeah, 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 and the tree. Yeah. But these are different. They're exactly what, like what you're saying where they are bent over and then other 
branches or bits have been used almost woven into them yep. to keep them down in place. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I can't figure out for me, I can't figure out if if it's pointing a direction or if it's marking something. That's the I'm not sure. But before <laughs> we leave the the construction of them and get into the symbolism of them. Right. The other thing I found is they're, they're really well put together. Yeah. Like and they, they're not they easy not easy to pull apart. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Because I've, yeah. I've messed with them, you know, to try to like, let me figure out how mm-hmm. this is done. And they're like, I figured I'd just shake them apart and the thing would come falling down. No, they don't come down easily at all. Oh, no, no, not at all. They are they are usually pretty wedged together. You can take like a tree fall or uh, where where maybe the top of a tree has fallen down on itself and then those limbs have kind of fallen over time as the thing starts to just fall apart by gravity and and the elements and they will kind of sometimes form a similar structure to kind of the v conical shapes that i have seen mm-hmm. but those you you can shake them apart yeah yeah they they aren't wedged together and they're usually not pieces of other trees that that aren't like a, a piece of a pine that's jammed in with a bunch of oaks that where'd this pine limb come from? Like the only pine is 50 yards away. How did that get here? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what really starts to throw me is when there's pieces of other trees that are in there. Um, or, you know, it's always nice when you find one where the the root ball is up in the air. Mm-hmm. You're like, how did that happen? Yeah, I was going to ask you if you if you found any of those. I've one. I have found one like yeah, that. Yeah, they're rare, but they're. I mean, yeah, you, you go. Yeah, and you just shrug. Like yeah. you just shrug your shoulders. <laughs> how did a tree fall upside down? That's right. Yeah. Right. How did that get there? Yeah. Um. The other the other cool stick structure or tree structure thing that I found. I was at another hiking spot and I was just hiking with my youngest child and we were like having a nice little family hike and I looked down and I'm like wait a minute that's an x what wait a minute and so luckily uh they like they like cryptids and and all this good stuff so they they came along with me and we went down there and started looking around and there was the uh the leaning tree into the fork of a tree mm-hmm. um there were there were a couple asterisks on the ground uh so obviously glyph. placed yeah. yeah like a glyph on the ground and and here's here's part of the bingo card i think um they were right next to a power line cut through oh neat right yeah and so we're walking along and this was probably a stretch of maybe 40 50 yards there were these i was seeing asterisks i was seeing these lean these lean ons no no bows which was interesting and then near the end there was another x and so I took some pictures and we're looking at it all. And there was a deer trail that ran all the way through them, which I thought was interesting. And I go up to this last X and I'm looking at it. And I there's something where the where the two limbs or trunk of these trunks of trees that are crossed, there's something in the center of it. And I go up and there was a bit of bone mm. directly yep in the center of it it was a small bone i don't know who knows i it was it had been there a while and had been chewed on a little bit but it had something had jammed it down in the very direct center of the x i don't know yeah i had uh, <laughs> mentioned I this is a couple years back i'd mentioned to a sort of bigfoot researcher in western pennsylvania we were talking 
And that was right when I started finding all the skulls. I mentioned to him, I said, you know, I don't know what this is, dude. I'm finding skulls everywhere. Yeah. Every investigation I go on, I'm finding skulls. And he happened to go out the next day and right on top of, I think it was an X structure. It might've been a, no, I think it was a T kind of a TP structure, but right mm-hmm. on the top of it is this uh, hip bone of some kind of wow. animal just, or a pelvis rather of a, some kind of animal just right there on top of it. And he, he sends me a picture the next day. He's like, Hey, you mentioned bones. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of skulls, um, at that first site that I went to, and then I went back, I said, I went back like a week and a half later and Two of the car, like the deer, the deer bits were still there. I think my brother and I would have seen this when we went the first time because of the direction we walked up onto the structure. But I'm willing to say that maybe we stepped over it or we just missed it. But there was a um, deer skull, a six point buck deer skull with spinal column, like right kind of in the open. Hmm. And so I brought that home with me. Um, <laughs> that was that was like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that home. Yeah. But it's been it's been interesting to go back to that site repeatedly. Uh, up above that site, I found smaller kind of TP like shapes, almost like little huts. And you know, I was like, did a bunch of Boy Scouts come out here and do a bunch of bushcraft, like really crappy bushcraft? <laughs> like what's going on? I just let it be. And I, I came, I went back and this was earlier this year and I went back up on the ridge a little bit to look at that site again. And one of them was just torn down and the other one, parts of it were still up, but the other one, not only, and it didn't just fall over, something had come and strewn the sticks and like spread them out. And I, I, to this day, I, it doesn't make any sense to me why someone would, if they were, if it was somebody, why would they go and only tear one of them down? Yeah. And it was purposefully strewn around. Like it wasn't until I started looking around and I could see that there were some sticks that might have been and branches and, and trunks that might have been part of that structure. It was just leveled and I have no idea why. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen bushcraft shelters and I've seen people post photos of bushcraft shelters and say, you know, look what Bigfoot did, you know, and it's like right. quite, quite obviously, no, 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 this is, that's a bushcraft shelter. In fact, there's one in a very well-traveled county park here that uh, I've seen people in Pennsylvania Bigfoot groups put, you know, publish pictures of it. I recognize that I've walked by it so many times and yeah. they're like, oh, look at this structure. And I'm just like, I like, I know for a fact that it's, it's a, just a practice you know, bushcraft yeah, exactly. shelter someone made. It's it's not that, but yeah, the it's, other it's obvious these other structures that we're talking about. The fact that people, will, you know, some of these researchers will say, "Oh, they're hunting blinds." Well, they're piss poor hunting blinds. They're not <laughs> like <laughs> right. I couldn't hide it, right? much less a giant yeah. ape man. Yeah. Or there's yeah. some kind of shelter. No, they're not. They're not. You know, this. Oh, that's their shelter for their babies. Well, they're piss poor shelters too. They're they're open to the right. sky. Like none of them right. are. Are well done. There's something else, and uh, in, I yeah, I agree 100. Yeah. They're not shelters. Markers, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, that's yeah. that's you know sort of Ogham's razor, most likely explanation, some kind of marker. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. There, but, there's got to be, uh, who knows what that marker's for. <laughs> right, right. In Where the Footprints End Volume 2, I get into the idea of them possibly being like some kind of fetish, uh, religious uh, altar, uh, three-dimensional sigil, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, like okay. Some, some kind of, uh, you know, fetish in, in a magical sense. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but that's you know, interesting. I, I may, I'll, I'll, that's, ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just an idea. It's, it's that, great, that it's a great theory that I'm playing with because I don't see, I mean, even as trail markers, it's like they tend to be bunched up, like you're saying. I'll, yeah. We come to like a, yeah. like a bunch of them together instead of, now I know people have found them where they seem to be in a straight line, you know, every 200 yards or whatever that lead right. to a creek. I haven't, in my experience, I just haven't found that. I found them like, I'll find like clumps of them together. There'll be three, four, five of them together. And then it's seemingly no rhyme or reason to them. Yeah, that's that's what I've found is they are in clumps. I, I've, you know, I'll walk through woods or even I, my wife and I now will drive through woods and we'll look for them. Now, you know, in the fall and the winter, like mm-hmm. is, is there, and, and you can see tree falls and leaning branches and, top offs where a top of a tree's broken off. And it's after you look at these enough, once you find a bunch of them, right. And you can start looking at them. They're very different and they are in bunches. I've not, I've not seen anything that's like an actual trail marker. The only thing I've seen that is close to that is sometimes I'll find an X or it's not even an X. It's more like a T or a cross where um, something's been balanced in another tree and it's anywhere from 30 to 40 yards away from a major path or a road as if to say, Hey, heads up. Right. You're coming hey. up on, on something here. Yeah. And, and people have talked about, there's been some fascinating encounters like on Sasquatch Chronicles where people have said they've found, you know, sticks laid out in their yard and they're laid at precisely the place that if you step over them, the, the automatic lights, you know, the motion sensor lights come on. Oh, so, yeah. So they're yeah. Just, you know, so I'm, sh- you know, well, I'm not sure yeah. who's sure about any of this, but you, right. <laughs> you, know, you know, that, that certainly seems like a, a purposeful thing that if these things are out there that they would do. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I've, I've been doing in this one particular state forest near me that has had repeated stories and historical, some historical stories in there that I've just been going out and looking for stick structures, had some success. I got, I mentioned, I, I mentioned my zapped story. I was following, there was, there was a, another weird group of stick structures and I decided to go up. It was about two thirds of the way up a ridge. So I'm like, okay, I'll go up on top of the ridge and see what's up there. Nothing. I looked around, kind of did a couple circular search patterns, you know, just looking to see what I could find. And I was heading out and I, you get that. It's almost like a buzz it's almost like this sense of you need to leave now Mm -hmm. um all the hackles went up on my neck and it just felt like almost like a psychic shove like go go away um and i did um i always try and be respectful when i get that that feeling yeah yeah Um, yeah, i always tell people pay attention (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. i i don't want to cross them then here lately near the end of the year, uh, I decided to, I don't know. It was, it was like, I don't know. It was just an instinct. It was, I I was walking a trail in that area 
and I wasn't off trail. I was just on the trail and I kind of got this pull that like, Hey, look over here. And I thought I saw what was like an old road. So I started hiking up that ridge and got off trail and I found an area that was, um, had been logged maybe three years ago, just given the state of the growth and everything that's coming up now. And I just felt like I should do a gifting site. So I started leaving some, some gifts. I did a little rock car and I did, uh, left some tobacco and left some, uh, seeds and corn and just little things, anything I could think of, I would take up there and I was going out there about every week. And I had maybe four or five spots that I was, I don't know, just doing it, see what happens. I kind of felt like Richard Dreyfus and in, in, <laughs> in close encounters, like, I don't know, this means something. <laughs> and I would go up there and, and do this. It started to feel really peaceful up there. Now, I, you know, I understand confirmation bias, bias. I'm, I'm aware of it, but it started feeling really pleasant up there to the point where I would go up there and I would get, I would get wood knocks every time I would approach. Uh, I would be coming down the trail before I'd bounce off trail. There was a particular spot in the trail where I'd get one or two loud taps. I was, I had, I've been using an audio recorder as I go out now and was able to capture one or two of them. Nice. And I had a couple of little things happen. You know, it's always the little things. And you're like, okay, all right. And you, I was going up there and I had probably been going up there for about, oh, eight weeks, maybe eight or 10 weeks. And I was going further up. I'd found another spot further up the ridge and had left another gifting site all the way at the top and just playing around really. And so after about eight or nine weeks, I was walking up there and I was finding uh, chanterelle mushrooms. So I was, I was harvesting some, some chanterelles at the time as well. And I kind of felt this pull like this, Hey, look over here feeling. And I thought, Oh, maybe there's, maybe my subconscious is telling me there's more chanterelles over here, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll, I'll go with it. Cause I tend to do that when I'm in the woods, I'll just go with, go with my gut. And I've just felt this gut, gut pull and I go over to this other, I left, I had been leaving all my gifts on stumps because of the logged area and I go over to this one area and on a stump is a geode uh, like this rusty, a little bit of a rusty colored iron oxided geode on the center of the stump. Hmm. And uh, that made no sense because the only geodes are down in a Creek several hundred yards away and it hadn't been there that long. You know, if something, if something sits on a stump for a while, it gets like detritus around it, you know, little bits of leaves and dirt and stuff will collect around it. There was nothing there. Like it had been there. It had only been there maybe a week, eh, a couple days. And that was another uh, tap me on the shoulder moment Mm -hmm. because I'm like, wow, okay, what's going on? And I, I went over and uh, looked at it and decided to go ahead and pick it up. And I don't know. I just, I, I felt like that was for me. And I said, thank you. And I said, thank you out loud. And down the hill, there was this noise. Like the minute I said, thank you, it sounded like I've never heard this sound before. And I've been in the woods a lot. It sounded like an owl that turned into a dog coughing. <laughs> wow. So it went like, 
<laughs> and owls don't make that noise and dogs don't make that noise <laughs> and just chills right just chills went through and i said thank you and left i think i left an apple and some tobacco and some and something else there and made my way back out still have the geode still have it in a special spot um i've had no other gifts in that spot. Like nothing else has happened there. Uh, at a, a little bit further down the road in this state park, I was creek walking and looking for fossils and also just kind of keeping my eyes open and walk the creek. This was also chanterelle season too. So I picked up some chanterelles along the way. Uh, where I entered the creek was pretty open and I could see the whole area. I get on the creek, I walk the creek back coming back out. I've been out maybe three hours or so. I'm walking back out and in the exact area where I came into the creek was a triangular piece of old antique porcelain hmm. that the break on it was, it was like an old uh, Chinese, like a Chinese tea house kind of mm-hmm. blue looking China uh, that was basically right, right in the spot where I had entered the creek. And I would have seen that. Like, there's no, like, I, I can't see, I can't see how I wouldn't have seen it, if that makes sense. No, I mean, I, I, you've probably heard me, I'm sure listeners have heard me say very, very similar things before. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah you'd like, if I say, I guess I could have stepped over it, but it seems highly unlikely. Right. Well, yeah. and I think of the, the knife story, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chad's knife. Yeah. Like, you would have seen it. Oh, it's the knife. And I was, it was looking so hard for that because I, I really wanted, it was, this was early in our friendship. And I was like, I really want to find this knife for checks. He was really upset about it. And I was like, I'm going to find this knife for him. I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to yeah. look really hard. I'm going to find it for Chad. So I, I cannot see how I could have missed that in the, in the right. middle of the trail. There's just no way. Yeah. And that, that's how I felt about the little ceramic piece. It, it's white. It's mainly white. It stands out against the brown rocks and the leaves it and it was on top of leaf litter like mm-hmm. uh, i yeah it, and we hadn't had any flooding we hadn't had any rain that would have shifted that up above the leaf litter or up above you know on the surface so to speak and there it was plain as day so i have that as well it's right next to the geode <laughs> <laughs> because what else I, it felt right. It feels like, I mean, you just, I don't know. It's a tricky dance, right? Like, Oh yeah. Is this for me or is this, what is this? What is going on? And I love it. I, I love it. Had you it, found at any of the locations that you were leaving gifts were things. So surely any food's going to go. And, and that's right. Absolutely. You, know, you, you can't explain that necessarily, but, but were things yeah. changing and moving around in those places. Okay. Um, so I would take pictures. I'd take a picture when I left it. And then I would take a picture the minute I came back to it, usually two, two to three days to a week later. The only movement, um, I had left some cedar balls that we had because I thought that would be interesting. And those got moved and chewed on by critters. Uh, but I had turkey feathers that I had found on a hike. And so I put those down. And I, one of the turkey feathers... So I had, I had one on a tall stump, then I had a central gifting spot on a low stump, and then another spot with a rock carn that I had made and some other gifts, kind of in a small triangle. Not a big triangle, actually, sorry. In that center one, 
the turkey feather seemed to have moved. And this is something that was laying pretty flat and I had put a rock on it to keep it from being blown away mm -hmm. or moved if a critter came up to eat some of the food that I'd left. And the turkey feather had, I'm pretty sure from my pictures, the turkey feather moved to point towards the tall stump. And that's the only thing that I can, in, in all the time that I've spent going back out there, back and forth, that's on the ones that I set up, that's the only thing I've seen move. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I yeah. Know. I mean, well, I mean, sometimes that's the way it is too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you yeah, know, just patience. I'll just mm -hmm. see what happens. I'm curious to see what happens once we get into winter, if anything changes, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's a tricky dance. And I think, I think there's, there's something to be said about Bigfoot and fairy and whatever we want to call fairy, right? Like mm -hmm. I almost don't want to say fairy anymore because it kind of, it's yeah, just, it it's to, the other, right? It's, right, it's right. the weird, I don't know. Um, but whatever, there's something to be said there that, that, that Bigfoot, I believe, I believe Bigfoot is connected to that somehow. Now, yeah, not to get too woo-woo, but. No, I mean, I think when you have these sorts of experiences and if you, if you read the folklore also, mm -hmm. you know, as I've said in the books, whether they are or not, they're certainly acting like, like genus loci, like spirits of place, like, like yeah, forest spirits. Yeah. yeah. And right. that might be the best word we have for them. And, you know, to talk about, you know, the class B encounters. And I was talking with Chad about this and I've come to this sort of idea, you know, and <laughs> allow me to be wrong and allow me to change my mind tomorrow. But <laughs> sure. right now I have this sort of working idea that seeing a creature, so I'm going to say a physical manifestation, but I want to be really careful with that because it makes it sound like they're uh, beaming in like Star Trek or something. I don't know how this happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know right. how, how they are there and how they are not there other times. They seem to have this ability. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe maybe the Flesh and Blood guys are right. Maybe they're they're faster than the Flesh and they just... You know, yeah. Away. Of but, course, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know by what means they achieve this, but I feel like footprints are the second rarest manifestation, and then the the actual physical creature, the actual seeing the physical creature, is the the rarest manifestation. But you mm -hmm. get all these other things around it that are far more common and easier to sort of draw in, um, right? So I would say, you know, you felt you found that geo, you felt in a sense it was left there for you. And you have no evidence of this, but right. you have this gut feeling. And I know that gut feeling. Like, I'm intimately familiar with that feeling where you're just like, wow, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's a gut feeling. It's, yeah. yeah. And no one. There, there are people who hear it and, and they will know because they've experienced or people will hear it and they will believe it for whatever reason their own life experiences and their own beliefs and so forth. And there are people who never believe it, who just be like, it was a complete coincidence, you know? Sure. Neither of us is going to convince those people at all. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that as well. The, um, it's so easy to, you can, you can fall to both sides, right? Like I said, it's a tricky dance because I could, there's a part of me that could very easily 
string together a really weird set of coincidences that made that geode be on that mm -hmm. stump in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, you know, a hunter saw it and was walking with it and decided to sit down to have a smoke or whatever and <laughs> forgot it there and it just left there. And, mm -hmm. But it wasn't hunting season when I found it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, there, there's all sorts of different stories I could tell that could give me a reason why it was there. But none of those match the weird, like you said, the gut feeling that is so hard to explain, but it's this gut sense that you're like, you just know that's, that's what this is. And it's, unless you have that experience, it's so hard to explain to other people. Right. You, right. Like, yeah. yeah. You know it. So you can. And, and also you realize like how crazy you sound sometimes too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I, I think about like, you know, 48 year old me telling these stories to 23 year old me. Uh -huh. And 23-year-old me just being like, shut up, old man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what do you know? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Brian, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Like I said, I think this Class B stuff is part of the manifestation. It's it's the more common yeah. manifestation of it. And again, yeah. this is just my gut feeling. I don't know. but I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a preponderance of Class B. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a preponderance of this, this evidence that isn't evidence. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, and and I, I love sharing the stories up. because they're so familiar to me. You know, I, I could see them in my mind's eye and I know that feeling, just that, that feeling of wow. When you, when, mm -hmm. when you get this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well thank, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thank well, you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories and for patrons, Brian's going to come back. He's going to tell us a story of missing time, some ghost stuff, and we're going to talk Mylar balloons as well. That'll be for an upcoming patron episode. Brian, thank you again for coming on Strange Food. Yeah, Days. absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Pleasure to be here. As I mentioned at the end of the interview there, we're going to continue our talk with Brian in a patron show. We will be releasing that next week. Now, I'm going to take a break next week, so... There will be no regular show next week, but we will drop a show for patrons next week. We'll drop that second part with Brian. So patrons will get a show next week. We'll be back the following week, of course, with another regular episode. If you'd like to get extra episodes and you don't want to miss that episode next week, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Besides bonus content, we do at least one full extra episode of Strange Familiars every month for our patrons. Besides that bonus content, we often do more content. We offer discounts here and there when we can on different merchandise. There are other levels of support at Patreon for things like books and t-shirts and more. You can check it all out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. Go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. You'll see a paypal.me link. You can click that and make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whatever podcatcher you use, and leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners.
And of course, as always, I want to thank our patrons who make this show possible. We really, really couldn't do Strange Familiars without our patrons. So thank you so much, patrons. I'd also like to thank Chris D. for his PayPal donation. Thank you very much. And thanks to Caroline V. for her donation, which came via Red Circle. However, I wouldn't have known that if Caroline didn't let me know. So if you've made a donation via Red Circle, thank you so much. But they don't tell us who makes the donations. I just get a note that somebody's made a donation via Red Circle. Thank you. It's a huge help if you're donating via Red Circle. That's awesome. We love Red Circle, and they've been a really great place for us to host the podcast, and we're happy to work with them. But I didn't want anybody to think we were ignoring them. We just don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, they just the name just doesn't come through. It just says, you got a donation. So thank you so much, everybody, for those... Do you think it took 90 days for that puppy to become perfect? Well, look who the trainer is. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cute puppy. That is a cute puppy. Finally, we have a puppy pick. Yes. <laughs> did we do a dog before? I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure if we... we did. I mean, I have tons of dogs if anybody has a specific breed that they collect. This is a little girl and her puppy. I'm going to guess this is... Pre-1910, like between 1900 and 1910? Yeah, that, square, that square format's usually like a brownie camera. It's one of the earlier brownie cameras. So that yeah, turn of the century. Turn of the century. Very, very cute photograph. And this neat little square format mounted photograph. It's not in pristine, perfect puppy condition, but it's still super cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my goodness, that is a cute pup. This is our photo of the week. If you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, there'll be a image of this. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and a few of the previous photos of the week are left there as well. We have a photo of the week section. If you're looking for a photo, you know, to give as a gift, you know, if you want a topic or a location, a subject, an animal, you know, you feel free to email and I'll see what I have and... Yeah, we might actually have something to fit the bill for you. As we mentioned before, we do buy old photographs, particularly lots of them. If you have uh, old photographs that you're getting rid of, let us know. We can make you an offer. Yeah. Speaking of our Etsy shop, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my Apparitions art book is available there, as are the rest of my books, if you want to get them there. Original artwork, I try to add original artwork occasionally. Sometimes I'll get a week where I'll add five or ten new pieces. It's been a little while, so I'll probably add some soon. There's also Strange Familiars t-shirts there. There's some of my music and more. Check it out. It's Etsy shop name Lost Grave, one word, or if you look up Strange Familiars, our shop should come up in the searches. Speaking of Etsy, our friends at Karmic Garden have an Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash karmic garden trusted remedies made from mother nature karmic garden has soaps scented sanitizers natural cleaners candles beard balm and more including the bespoke <laughs> timothy and allison curated strange familiar scent i'm glad you put curated in that description otherwise we, they might get kicked off of Betsy. right there has to be something <laughs> has to be curated at some point Check out Karmic Garden. Again, that's Etsy shop name, Karmic Garden, one word. You can look them up. I think they come up under Strange Familiars too now as well, because oh. the, the, the Strange Familiars so Oh, that's good. Just a reminder, 
no regular show next week. There will be a patron show next week, so patrons will get a show. And we'll be back on our regular schedule the following week. So we'll be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. And we're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.